0: we are big fans of Kate Blanchett, and now both of us has finally had a chance to watch the latest movie, Tar. We're so excited to talk about that. So sit back, relax, grab your favorite snack. It's time for Movie Time, coming at you right now. What's up, everybody? It's another week, and that means it's a brand new episode of Movie Time. You got the movie boys in the house. Renee, low-key geek here with my boy, Blake the Wolf. What's going on, dude?
1: Yo, Renee, how's it going? It's rainy outside right now, uh, but I am excited to stay indoors with you and do what we do best, talk about the new movies we've seen.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I guess, as I mentioned in the top of this video, we are going to be talking about Tar this week. Blake finally had a chance to watch it. I saw it previously during New York Film Festival, which is still going on. Um, as as and I have a couple more screenings to go to before it closes out. Show but- off. Uh, well, you know, I, I I do what I do. Um, but you could see some of the coverage there on the channel right now. I think recently I posted a little Q and A session with Tilda Swinton for her new upcoming A twenty four movie, uh, The Eternal Daughter. So that was fun to watch and all that. Um, but yeah, definitely check it out on the channel there. Uh, before we go into things that we normally talk about for this episode. If you are brand new to this channel and if you're coming across us for the very first time, welcome. Movie Time is a weekly podcast where two uh, knuckleheads bullshit about movies um, every week. So if you like what you see and you want to see more, don't forget, hit that like, subscribe, notification bell for all the YouTube greatness. If you want an audio version of this podcast, you could find it on your podcast platform of choice. Just type in Lowkey Geek" there and you could find... This episode, along with many others, to download for your audio listening satisfaction. And if you are already listening through audio formats, thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, don't forget to leave a good leave a good rating if it prompts you to. But before we get into TAR that we're going to be talking about this week, one thing I wanted to mention to all of you guys and something interesting for us to talk about. Blake and I, we are huge basketball fans. Um, we have, in the past, attended some basketball games here in new york which means we've watched the knicks either lose or lose or lose um i don't think we've ever been to a game where they won right one time they lost actually i don't know if you mentioned that one but right, that's right. about all yeah. of them yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay um so but but we love talking about basketball you know we have another mutual friend of ours who we just geek out on basketball whenever we have a chance especially when the season's around so w- this week um hbo has dropped the uh, new documentary called 38 at the garden i think it's called or something yep. yeah but basically yep, it re- cool uh basically it recaps the kind of fairy tale moment of sanity here in new york ba- about 10 years ago now i think this was back in 2012 right wow yeah we're looking at 2011 uh,
1: 2012 season yeah
0: yeah which is insane that it was that long ago but the one thing Linsane, that I, yeah, insane, very insane, yes. um, and and Jeremy Lin was definitely ball Lin, um, during mm-hmm. that time. Um, mm-hmm. but the the cool thing that I I found about it, and you know, it, it's nice watching documentaries like this because it's like a walk down memory lane. You kind of remember how you felt at the time. You maybe sometimes remember where you were when you were watching some of these games. As for me, I was actually there, um, during the mm-hmm. night they played the nets where he came off the bench, the bench for the very first time. And cause at wow. that time, you know, I, I, I've, I don't know if I've ever told this story before, but I used to have season tickets to the Knicks. Um, I was very huge into, you know, basketball and all that stuff like that. And it was just one of those days where, you know, the Knicks were suffering a lot from injuries at that time. So they needed, you know, anyone to chip in. And when they called upon this kid to come off the bench, I I I remember sitting there just saying, Who the hell is this guy? I had never even like seen him like practice or anything like that. Or maybe I just wasn't paying attention, right? I was sitting next to an Asian couple, and the girl next to me said, Oh, did you know that he went to Harvard? And I'm like, <clears throat> No, I didn't. I think that's <clears throat> fascinating that we have like an I really like a purebred Ivy Leaguer uh on the Knicks right now. And then he just went off, and he started doing layups and all that stuff like that. And I was, and the garden started going nuts. I remember so much so that our whole row was going so nuts and insane, insane. Um, as we're rooting on this kid out of nowhere, that the same girl I was talking to, even though her boyfriend is right there, gave me a kiss on the cheek because she was just oh super excited. She was just like <laughs> super excited. Up. Yeah, he got yes. caught up in the Love moment it. and it was like, you know, this is one of our own, you know, playing NBA and killing it right now. Right. So it was a definitely it was definitely a magical moment. Right. And yeah. again, something that you don't rarely you rarely experience. But the fact that it carried on to the next game, to the next mm-hmm. game and then the mm-hmm. infamous Lakers mm-hmm. game. Right. Where mm-hmm. he, he dropped the 38 points. Um, magic. it was just, yeah, it is. It was just magic, and then the I love how they put emphasis on the Toronto game in Toronto, where he yeah. basically waved everyone off and was like, No, I got this, and he hit the game winning shot. Brilliant, brilliant, yeah, beautiful and, moment, yeah. And I remember the rest of the season after that. Now, the, the one thing they don't go into is what happened after those magical moments where he got injured. And then, unfortunately, he wasn't able to really come back to the same strength that he, you know, he showed off during that those those few games there. Um, And then, you know, he eventually got traded from the Knicks because there was a beef between him and Melo and Melo, you know, because Melo was like the big spotlight grabber and all that stuff like that. (laughs) All the behind the scenes stories and everything. But for the rest of the season, it was insane linsane to see a lot of new people going to basketball games who've never been to basketball games before. There was this one time I remember I was sitting uh, at the game and the whole entire row behind me was a family of 10 and they were all Chinese Americans. And you could tell that all the different generations were sitting there. You had the grandfather, you had the mother, the father, the the, the children, their children, and Every time Lynn would touch the ball, they would cheer because they just don't know what's going on. They just want him to play, right? Like, like, oh, Jeremy Lin (laughs) fouled. You know, uh, he, you know, he fouled this other guy. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) It's like, it's like, it was just crazy the the atmosphere and how you know the support for Jeremy Lin um, was so huge at that time. But um, Blake, what were what were what was your recollection of those moments? during that time, and how did you enjoy the documentary? Because the documentary also goes into the significance of representation, um, how it meant for the Asian community, especially now that there's so much hate towards the Asian community with all the violence and crimes going on.
1: Yes, so I don't have as many connections to insanity as you do. Um, I will say I was in New York, I just moved there in the prior year, and it was one of those moments Everybody was talking about it. You literally would get on an elevator, not know anyone, and people would go, did you all see that last night? Like, it was one of those yeah. things so wild and magical. People would be like, hey, this is real, right? That's, like, <clears throat> we got to talk about this, right? That was amazing. Um, I am simply a humble basketball fan, and I happen to be the commissioner of a fantasy basketball league. So I think <laughs> I'm an expert when it comes to saying – no, the, the most this was some of the best cameos we've seen since Hustler, the, uh, the recent Adam Sandler Netflix movie. That, I think, was one of my favorite things about it, and I don't have a ton to add, so I'll just I'll, I'll yeah. briefly say, this movie did a good job of adding two things. One, we get deeper, richer backstory on sanity. because in the moment, it's all anybody was talking about in the elevator, yeah but this, we don't know as much backstory. People go, did you know he went to Harvard? Did you know this about his backstory? Did you know that his parents, mm-hmm. like, that was happening. But now we have more perspective. Even at the time, he was like a time he was on the list of time pe- person of the year. And I remember like reading everything I could and just watching highlights repeatedly, just because it was so unreal. And there are people that I was close with, no, did not care one iota about basketball, and they were like, "Hey, can we watch that Knicks game tonight?" Where are you guys <laughs> watching the Knicks game? Like it was that right. pervasive. Now, what this got to do was give us a little more context and perspective on what was happening then. Really appreciated that a lot. Yeah. Plus the what's become a bigger conversation in the last ten years of representation, yeah, and what that means, especially for a community that in the last couple of years has faced so much violence, I feel like they did a really good job because this is only a thirty-eight minute movie. Yeah, that's part of why I fully recommend it. Just I like you. You have a lunch break, put this on your phone. Mm-hmm. It's on um, HBO. Right. Um, it was it was and it was very succinct and well done and entertaining plus they hit on a whole nother aspect so mm-hmm. I thought maybe this is just gonna be highlight reels some interviews about it some context they I had a whole section on Asian violence and I thought for a moment like okay this is no longer a Jeremy Lynn movie and then they connect it and the way they connected it to me was very powerful uh very effective for the the I think' is the last thing I'm, I'm gonna even say on the movie and kind of what I thought about it. Cause I think you yeah. can tell, I was impressed by how well it was done, especially for that link. Um, We're talking for the talking heads, Iman Shumpert, Tyson Chandler, two of the most entertaining and, and best Knicks for that. And they were very, candid. Oh yeah. Tyson Chandler oh, yeah. said a couple things. I was like, I don't know if you should say that, but it does give more perspective. It was a, made it a richer story of what it was like to be in the locker room yeah. from the perspective of an insider going, who, who the hell is this kid? Yeah. Um, Pablo Torre, one of my favorite podcasters and and people who speak about uh, sports, Uh, Lisa Ling, um, Hassan Minaj and Ronnie Chang. Uh, Hassan Minaj and Ronnie Chang, just hands down two of my favorite comedians. I've gotten to see (laughs) Ronnie Chang live before. Um, Really, and because these are all people, um, there was was one other name in there, I think it was Jenny Yang, um, where these are all people who did it. Thank you. Yes, yes. Um, These are all people who are really good at giving a succinct bite and it has resonance beyond just like, and then we couldn't believe what happened next. They actually got yeah. to speak from personal experience, what it was like in their home, their community watching this. Mm-hmm. And there was definitely moments where you're, you're laughing or you're just doing the like, oh my gosh, this is so unreal. And it, I felt transported for a moment. I'm really mm-hmm. glad they got to give person. And then you had a few more talking heads, which were just typical Knicks fans. And that is oh, yeah. always a pleasure. Those, those are the dudes who are going viral on TikTok, the big bomb kind of dudes. So always yep. a, uh, fun to throw that in there. So it was a good combination of political and not in a controversial way. If anyone's pro-violence, like I, you, you, maybe this one's not for you. Get out right. of here. Yeah, Everybody yeah. else, like yeah. we get some politics. We get some amazing ba- basketball for people who, if you don't care about basketball, you care about this story. Mm-hmm. And then you get some very, like this the synthesis of those two things from a very entertaining perspective. And it's all those little talking heads and just quick bits. I don't have much patience for the like, all right now we're going to interview a dude for four minutes and he's going to tell you the whole backstory. No, it was just like a boom, 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 38 minutes in and out and really well done at capturing that fantastic moment of basketball history and keeping the perspective the whole time.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's one – and we get a lot of this with sports as well where we get like those Cinderella moments, right, that unravel in front of our eyes. We see that a lot happening like in the Olympics – You know, when there's like an underdog just all of a sudden blows everyone's minds out of the way and all that stuff like that. And to see something like this happen, you know, it it really was a magical history. Everyone got caught up in it. You know, it didn't matter if you were a diehard basketball fan or not. If you were someone who was from the Asian community, you got caught up in it. You know, everyone I knew in the community got caught up in it. You know, I remember buying the Sports Illustrated magazine with him on the cover for the very first time, and like I kept that away, you know, safely and everything. I have the jersey uh, still somewhere. Um, I remember, you know, I remember just like the the magic and the the atmosphere at MSG every time I would go. Um, You know, it it was just it it really was a magical moment, and um, it's it was a good recollection of you know, hearing from Tyson Chandler and Iman Shumpert, who I think Iman Shumpert's like permanently high, right? Because I, I feel like he's just like always just like, you know, big, big ass grin on his face. And like, you know, he's just always like, you know, but they talk, they keep it real. And that's the great thing about it, you know, about especially hearing Tyson say things like, you know, I didn't know who this dude was. I I'd never personally seen him play in practice, you know, and um, I thought he was just a random guy asking for an autograph and all that stuff, you know? So it was like really, really fast. I wish they had a chance to interview Landry Fields because Mm -hmm. I know him and Jeremy were very tight. Um, Landry was the guy that Jeremy slept on the the couch. Uh, That was his apartment and all that. And they explained that in the documentary. So it would have been awesome to see uh, him, you know, speaking out about it. Um, And it was nice that they actually had Jeremy Lin recounting the events himself instead of some other narrator doing it. Right. Yeah. Um, You know, because, you know, Jeremy, and th- this is something that they cover in the documentary, like he fought his way to get to this point. He fought really hard, even after the the, the magic ended, you know, and he found himself getting traded here and there and he couldn't really get that magic back. You know, they, they mentioned that he won the, uh, a championship with Toronto, but he was basically a bench dude, right? Like, he didn't really play a lot during that season. Um, It was interesting that he, even after the fact, he continued to fight and fight and fight. Now he's playing in Asia, where, of course, any time a big NBA star goes to Asia, they blow up, right? So Mm -hmm. he has his own, you know, Jeremy Lin brand out there now. That's Mm -hmm. the shirt he was rocking and all that. Just Mm -hmm. like Stephen Marbury having his own sneaker line and everything. So... You know it, it, things are have ended up nicely for him, but yeah, if anything, this documentary what it did really well is just it just recaptured that moment and kind of put you back in that moment, especially if you were aware of it and if you weren't, then it was a it's a great insight on how easy it was to get caught up in that moment and oh, how yeah. it affected so many different people, whether you're a basketball fan or not. Um, so yeah, definitely recommend you you watch it, and it's a very easy watch. Like like Blake said, it's very quick. Maybe if you want something really quick to watch before you go to bed or whatever the case is, pop that on. It's it, you won't be disappointed. It's very yep. very fascinating, um, for sure. Yep. And if you do, let us know in the comments. I know we don't talk about sports usually on this channel <laughs> or anything like that, but it, like I said, as a New Yorker, as a basketball fan, as I for as for me, a New York a Knicks fan. Um, This was a very particular moment in history that I'll never forget because, you know, it was very, very magical. Indeed, it was linsane, to say the least. Hey, guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. But before we continue, I wanted to quickly talk about Bulletproof Coffee. Bulletproof Coffee is my favorite coffee of choice to start off my mornings with. Why? Because it's clean coffee. What does that mean? Well, one. There are no chemicals in it. Why? Because they go through this multi-step process of making sure that all of their beans are fully clean and free of any chemicals so that when you get the beans delivered to you, it is the pure beans, the pure coffee, the goodness that you've been wanting, the taste, the flavor, and the nutritional value as well without worrying about any added chemicals or anything else put into the mix there. It also doesn't have that weird acidic taste that some coffees give you. I don't know how about you, but for me, some coffees kind of give me that weird sensation in my stomach, makes me a little burpy, and it kind of drags me down a little bit instead of really waking me up, uh, which is something that I need from my coffee every day. Bulletproof also offers a lot of keto-friendly snacks and supplements. Anything that you need to kind of add to your everyday nutritional needs, add to your diet, pretty much transforms the way you feel every day. So so for a limited time, if you use this code on that you see on the screen right now, Low-Key Geek, all caps, one word, you can get 15% off your order. So what is it better than that, right? Check out the link in the description of this episode. Use this code, get yourself your discount, and make your mornings a little bit more bulletproof with Bulletproof Coffee. Now, back to the episode. Let us now move on. To our main topic for this week's episode And that is the movie Car yeah. So yeah it, It's funny because Blake and I briefly spoke Before we started recording And it, it is this. I'm glad we're going to have a chance to talk about this Because yeah. when I saw this movie Last week I think I had the same feeling that Blake had When we were going into it We weren't sure exactly What kind of movie we were going to get I think and, and I think Blake shares the same sentiment here I thought it was going to be a movie that explores the rise of uh, mm-hmm. fame and 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 popularity of this female composer trying to break the gender rules and all that, you know. Because every time we see like composers and conductors on on TV or whatever, it's always guys, right? So now we have mm-hmm. this female lead who's like rising to power and the struggle she has to get to you know claim the fame and all that. And I thought that was what this movie was. However, as the movie continued to play on and things start to unravel, it turned into this whole other different type of movie where we are seeing uh, a woman struggle with her uh, psyche and be- and mainly because she's doing a lot of these things that are now starting to unravel and break down her life, break down her career trajectory you know meddling with her family meddling with her persona meddling with how people perceive her um and basically the way i would describe it in the review i have on the channel right now it's cancel culture but through the lens of a female from a female you know we're so used to seeing like the hashtag me too movements and all that and it's always the guys right and and that's been like that for ages right and that's you know it's go- coming into light more and more and so But here is now you have a female who is the one victimizing people and and doing a lot of these things and how that is now affecting herself and how it's affecting a lot of people around her messing with her mental stability. And, you know, there's a lot of moments in this movie where, you know, Blake mentioned this to me before and and he'll talk more about it in a minute. You're not sure what we're seeing on screen is really happening or not because of a lot of these dream sequences or things that she's seeing or things that she's hearing, Um, you know, but overall, I thought it was a such a very well done movie for Todd field who hasn't done a movie in 16 years, you know, like, and this is a movie that he also wrote and directed. Um, It's not something that's been adapted from another source material, um, and he had,, uh, at least when I saw the QA, he had Kate Blanchett in mind when he wrote this story already. Yeah. So it was just like uh, this whole uh, synchrony of, of things that just really worked well together. Plus you had Nina Haas, who was a great companion piece to uh, Lydia Tarr's character there. you know, in a way, uh, Nina Haas's characters kind of is us, the audience. We see the unraveling in front of us, you know, as she was seeing it too. Um and it, it was interesting to see it all play out there. Um, another thing I will say that this movie achieves really well is amazing sound design. The the way yeah. the sound plays out through the movie, the little audio cues, the little um, as she's going through her kind of like mental breakdowns or you know her sleepless nights, she gets haunted by sounds that she can't figure out. You know, and the way that it that plays throughout the movie and and. You hear it like on the left channel, the right channel, all that stuff like that. It's like really, really fascinating how that's all done. The The music itself, the score is great. Um, but yeah, there's just a, the, this movie is just a really well put together movie. But Blake, I am definitely interested and curious to hear about your thoughts on the movie um, before we dive deeper into, OK, what did this mean? What was the ending? What mm-hmm. What is this myst- mysterious symbol that we see throughout the movie and all that stuff?
1: I am also curious how I feel about this movie. And that's why I'm <laughs> glad we do this. Yeah. Um, thank goodness it's on the record so that that way I can figure it out and just mm-hmm. have it just, just in- Um, I'll start with, I was hyped for this movie and I thought it was gonna be more of a traditional music biopic like what you said. Yeah, an incredible story and maybe some sadness, tragic elements, et cetera. But a a story about a beautiful musician making beautiful art kind of thing, an amazing life story. They overcome things. They die too early, something like that. But overall celebration of a life. And it was the exact opposite. Um, Big picture. The directing was phenomenal. You mentioned the sound. The acting was phenomenal. I'm reminded of Kate Blanchett's Oscar winning performance for Blue Jasmine, where she yes. also plays a woman who's a POS and loses it. Yes. And that was, I can't, I, it makes sense that they, they wrote it with, with Kate in mind because that's some, the exact person you would cast for this exact role. It felt like a few times early on in the movie, especially where it felt like I was seeing Kate Blanchett act, whereas normally she's fully transformed mm-hmm. into a role. And then we realized later, this character might be leading a bit of a double life. They might be Mm -hmm. saying things that they don't mean or manipulating people. And then with that, I go, oh my gosh, Kate Blanchett is doing one of the toughest feats. It's the whatever, the the Axel 720 of acting, where you have to literally, you're an actor who's playing a character who is acting, and you're supposed to show that this character is doing a good job at it and manipulating people. But you also need to tell the audience, just tip the hat a little bit like, okay, I am currently manipulating someone and I am aware of it, but it is successful enough. That's a very difficult thing to get across. Kay Blanchett does it so well. Yeah. I am a sucker for these kinds of movies where we see someone hit their brink and then watch the pieces fall apart. Something about it, I'm very compelled by this type of story. Mm-hmm. This one was particularly hard to watch and there's a, a couple reasons why. We'll get into to the ending and the symbolism, etc. cetera. Um, but essentially... This is a character who is hurting people and a character who is who's pushed to that madness Mm -hmm. through it seems to me their own actions right but while that's happening the question is what's real and what's not what's not real what is it that they're aware of they're doing do they know that they're doing this there's some folks right there's some like there's plenty of mad geniuses in history who write the most amazing works but they got their brain got there because of some things that they've gone through or some tricks that they learned in order to survive. Mm -hmm. And they don't even realize that they're being awful or super cheap or hurting everyone they love or, uh, you know, a a serial um, cheater or something like that, Mm -hmm. right? Like, like, as if they are living a double life and couldn't possibly be aware of it, because like, this is just the life I have to live and I can't take account. Yeah. If you're doing horrible things to people, it's really hard to look in the mirror and go, yeah, I do terrible things to people every day. Usually at least from my experience, if someone's doing this stuff, like you read about characters in history, usually they're not aware of the effect that they're having or they go, yeah, yeah, I have to do this. So I'm just going to keep pushing through. I'll deal with it later. It's a character who ends up getting their comeuppance. So if you don't want to watch someone who is using their position of power for influence against other people and hurting the people that they love, and if the idea of someone exerting their power for the the movie leaves things pretty vague, but I feel like it's pretty safe to assume like sexual favors, or at least that's what people in the movie are definitely alleging. Um, And for possibly driving someone to the point of madness, suicide, lying about it, covering up their actions, just generally kind of being a fuckhead to everyone that they interact Mm -hmm. with. um, Being really biting and shitty. And it was so interesting to watch the movie do this. She says horrible things to a man sitting across from at the dinner table and you're laughing in the audience, but you're also going, I can't believe a human is saying this, looking at another human in the eyes. They are so cutthroat. And it's a funny line, but it's also disgusting to watch someone be evil to someone else and just act like they are. not There's a whole scene, which I'm sure other people will give think pieces on. There's a whole scene where it's part of her getting canceled, where she's giving a lecture and saying problematic things to a bunch of students and you're sitting there like, okay, that was a really great diss, a takedown. This woman's obviously very intelligent, but also you should know better and you're being hurtful right now. So let's just pretend you're right. You don't have to say these th- things and you definitely should, or, <laughs> it might come back to bite you. Guess what? It does. Right. Um, my, my main experience watching it in the theater is I was with a buddy and we had that thing afterward where you just kind of like sit in your seat for a long time and don't say anything. you're like, that was rough. Um, I, I, want to get to the end in a second. Cause that, that actually does change the movie in some ways, but, and one other thing we'll get into, there's a symbol, there's what's real and what's not. Can we trust the, the narrator? Mm-hmm. Um, before we do that theater experience, theater experience here was AMC Lincoln square, which is real close to the Met opera, which is definitely named in the movie. It seemed like an audience that was hyped for this kind of movie right now. It's like cinemas, um, on the LA and New York. It's going broad, I think, this weekend of October yeah. 14th. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this was an audience who chose to see the new Kate Blanchett, Tour de Force, and probably has some experience in the arts or appreciating the arts or something like that. The audience seemed to be on the exact same page, where there was a lot of like, hoof oh, and just a lot of quiet. Mm-hmm. It's not dissimilar to From a Quiet Place. It's a movie where sound is very important, and there's a lot of quiet moments in this movie. The only other thing I'll say about my theater experience is I'd like to apologize to everyone near row Q uh, because my buddy buddy bought brought a box of pizza. Oh and no! I brought peanuts in a plastic, and both of them were very difficult to open. And it was such a quiet movie for about the first twenty to twenty-five minutes of just conversation, a Q and A, a dinner conversation. And there's I kept waiting for the da da Beethoven moment with the hand. We get a few of those later. No, we just. I was trying to be so quiet mm-hmm. <laughs> and it became so much louder. And this is a movie where at some point the character says that somebody posits that sensitivity to noise is a mark of someone's intelligence. And I would like to say for anyone in that area, you are so intelligent. I'm sure because I'm certain I bothered your viewing experience. My bad overall, definitely go see this in theaters soon. If you're into that kind of thing, uh, if you want this form of punishment slash art and <laughs> Very, very well-crafted art. Mm-hmm. Tins across the board on almost every category of filmmaking. Um, and definitely I would see it sooner because you get to enjoy that experience with like-minded folks who are looking for that. And that that was very, very fun. Yeah. But, uh, yeah what, sure. what was your – I love how, how you just casually keep name-dropping New York Film Festival as if it's not causing my FOMO to flare up, flare up super hard. Thanks a
0: lot. Uh, uh, but no, yeah, go ahead no and, t-
1: and uh, tell me a little bit more about what it was like seeing Kate Blanchett in person.
0: Um, <laughs> it wasn't that great. Yeah, you know, it, it wasn't. Yeah, it's it's Q and A's are
1: actually kind of whack, right? Hot take. <laughs> yeah, hot take. Q and A's kind of suck.
0: Here, here's 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 the truth of it. I love okay. Q and A's up until the point they start asking the audience questions because go
1: off. yes, yeah. no one because... ever ask another question. If you're someone who wants to ask a question. Don't because you're not the person who should be asking questions right now.
0: Right, exactly Ugh. because it's Ugh. it's one of the cringy moments where I start to like really like tighten up and just like oh boy here we go. Don't make a fool out of yourselves because there's usually a, a moderator who has a for like a formal set of questions to engage the actress or director with, and it's thought provoking and all that stuff like that. And then you have an audience member who will start asking questions like, well, how was it like to play the piano for the first time on screen? You know, or oh, what did you feel like um, when you were sitting there and the dog was looking your face? You know, it's no, it's just... No, what
1: happens every time? Hey, for an aspiring artist, what advice would you give? Every time you watch Inside the Actor's Studio, what advice right, would you right, give right, right. to other people trying to do this thing? Right. Or I guess a New York Film Festival will be a little bit different, but still... Uh, I was recently at an Isabel Sandoval, one of my favorite um, and for her movie Senorita, and someone asked an offensive question, and I don't think they did it on, mm. I know they didn't do it on purpose, I'm sure of it, mm-hmm. they asked a question that was just so insulting to her background and her culture, I'm sitting there yeah. like, this is why we shouldn't have Q&As, and, and I actually, in general, I'm also, my hot takes one further, Q&As in general kind of suck, and interviews with people who are very, like, interviews with athletes, Interviews mm-hmm. with celebrities usually aren't great. If the interview is entertaining and that's the purpose, like hot ones or Jimmy Fallon, it can be great. Sure. Most of the time, it's just this person's not going to say anything too wild, or that they're not allowed to say. And every, everyone's media training in 2022 is so fire that it's mm-hmm. pretty bland. And every now and then you get a little anecdote, but it's a lot of like it's a lot of talking and not as much juice as the only to me the cool thing is like I got to say I saw that person in sure. person and sure. name drop them two months later on an episode of Movie Time or in your right, case right, a Right. But yeah, yeah. okay. Thank no, you I for mean, now I, my phone battery was decreased a little. Thank thank you so much. That was very right. generous.
0: Yeah. But of course like that being said, seeing Kate Blanchett in person was just phenomenal. And just like God. I was, you know, Damn it. I was just in awe Damn the it. whole time because she <laughs> is like one of my, like top 3 favorite actresses if not like top Yo. for me, you know. So like I was just like I couldn't it couldn't get any better for me at that moment right there. Um but the the the, the audience again New York Film Festival type of audience. So you have your cinephiles. You have your, like, I, I don't know if there were any critics there for sure. Uh, maybe. Uh, you have film students. You have, like, you know, so these are people who are, like, in the art. They, they, they appreciate the art of movie making and, and storytelling and all that. So even though I think a lot of people were taken back from what rev- what was unraveled in front of them as the movie kept going, they were very much engaged a hundred percent, you know? And, um, again, it was just, just like triangle of sadness. It was another one of those movies where afterwards a lot of people in groups were just talking about it afterwards outside, yeah, yeah. you know, because it does lead to a lot of conversation. Um, especially with like, you know, some of the subject matters that were, you know, kind of talked about or like you know, spread throughout the movie like this. Um, and by the way like i i i while you were talking i i popped up the spoiler alert warning um just uh, just in case you know we spoil anything for anybody so starting from now as we dive deeper into the movie we are definitely going to start revealing stuff so i just wanted to give everyone a heads up about that um i don't think what you said was too much of a reveal on certain things but you know just in case you know some people are sensitive about it i i popped up that little warning up up, up there so um but with that being said Um, so yeah, the movie theater experience for me was just, you know, it it was what I expected it to be when I am with like-minded folk who are there to, you know, and I think if anything, people were just so into Kate's performance. Like, I think everyone just could not take their eyes off, off of her every time, you know, and I think she, she, with this type of performance and with, especially with this type of character, she did her job where you couldn't take your highs off of her. You couldn't just stop paying attention because it was just so fascinating how you are seeing this woman who is pretty much at the peak of her career and getting to that next level, you know, gearing up for this uh, live performance that they're taping that could like launch her into uh, the stratosphere of whatever, you know, she's doing. But you could tell there's like something's off about her, right? And I think mm-hmm. one of the Best things that they did was have that interview in in the beginning of the movie that basically kind of told you the kind of person that she is. How she's always quoting this and quoting that and looking on uh, up you know, up on this guy, and is inspired by this person and everything like that. And she's very much, uh, you know, a, a collegiate studier of music and knows the ins and outs and she knows her shit and. And, you know, they talk about gender and, and the power struggles there. And, and, you know, I don't see myself as male, female. I'm just a, you know, composer, conductor, and this and that. But you could tell, like, there's some things like like the way she sits down, the way she, that she was kind of spacing out, concerned about her appearance, concerned about her, what she was going to say, the way she was scratching at the, the chair, you know, like you, you could tell there's a lot of things playing around in her head. Because she wants to look like she's always in control. She wants to look like she always has her shit together. You know, she's also, I, I like like when she was helping her neighbor um, pick up her poor mother who fell on the floor, how she couldn't stand the fact that she had to touch her. Right, so she was like washing herself up afterwards and like all concerned about you know germs and all this kind of stuff like that. You know, and everything for her has to be perfect. And then when it's not she loses it and you saw we see that happening as it's like the film keeps going 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 because she's everything starts getting stripped away stripped away stripped away and that's when she her mental state just gets very unstable and she starts losing everything um you know the infidelity the the you know the you know it it was made very clear that she was having an affair with a student um that was obsessive and but we don't know why maybe she was promising her stuff and all that you know whatever the case is um because we we would see the obsession because we we would see this red-headed figure just hanging out in the background either through the interview or while she's walking down the street you know she touches someone's foot someone's foot in the apartment that's not where her wife or her partner lives so who's that right it's like but we never see her face up until that tragic moment where we find out that she committed suicide, and that's what opened up the floodgates to the whole. Okay, so this so Lydia Tar is using her influence to get what she wants, but she denies the whole thing. She's like, "No, this was just a crazy stalker." Da, 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 this and that it is not, you know. And then that's when the true personality of her or the true persona of her is kind of coming out. And it mirrors a lot of stuff that we're hearing today in news, you know, with a lot of people with that power, with that authority, where they use their influence to get what they want. They think they can get away with it. They can think they could do whatever they want. And then when it's brought to light, then they start losing all of that. They start losing the prestige. You know, they start losing this chance for that, that chance for that, you know, and then we see them kind of break down and we see them like an loser shit, you know, and in this case, we saw that. Pretty much happening from beginning to end, but we also saw how it could really fuck with someone's mental state and everything, and that's what causes the questions of: Did we see what we saw, thought we saw, or is she losing her mind? When she was chasing after that girl, was there really a dog there that was chasing her dad, or was this the limit <laughs> of her imagination? You know, mm-hmm. you know, like because there's a lot of things that just didn't make sense. You know, it, like if she heard her singing in the background, you would hear her calling out to her. Then where the hell did this dog come from? You know, and then how come no one heard her being chased by this dog or whatever the case is? So she we see her going through all this paranoia, all this, all the stuff. She can't sleep because she keeps hearing these noises in her apartment. You know, but were those noises really happening? You know, and all that stuff. It's it was just such a fascinating case study. Um, and I will say this. The one interesting question that someone did ask her in the Q&A was someone who was actually a psych student. And she did ask a question about psyche and how that <clears> really played an important role in this movie. And it's it's very true. Like, we do see the psyche of Lydia Tarr and how that really broke down as things were happening and transpiring, you know, seeing her nightmarish dreams, her guilt playing out in, in her mind, you know, with the infidelity, with the... The things that she's doing to her partner you know and then eventually the, the loss of her daughter because now she can't see her daughter anymore um, the one saving grace that she had of any sense of normality and innocence was through the lens of her daughter right um, and the fact that she couldn't do that anymore so it was just really really fascinating but all throughout the the performance from Kate Blanchett really carried the movie and it, it, this movie would not have been so impactful if it wasn't for her
1: a thousand percent. And again, kudos to someone who can pull off something this difficult, such a precise performance, uh, such a precise character, mm-hmm. and dealing with mental health stuff uh, as someone who's sensitive to that. There are times where you see someone do it and they don't do it well and it's pretty offensive. You, there's sometimes you see someone do it and it's like, okay, they they at least understand enough. And it was, Kate Blanchett's one of the best people for that exact type of role mm-hmm. and basically any type of role anything between thor or this blue jasmine name it um nightmare I was alley just looking at a, yeah uh, so there's so many i was did a quick google before we recorded the uh, top five actresses of all time just to see mm-hmm. what the first thing's getting suggested kate is number five on the list and there's about two names above her i think they're pretty like these people are more famous over history but Kate's easily top three, top five, top 10 all time. I'd be shocked if anyone worth their salt would have her outside of top 20. That's all time. This is to be expected from, from Kate Blanchett and still to be going on about 20 years strong and hitting home runs this hard. It's a big lift in this movie. A lot of her on that screen.
0: Oh yeah. Difficult
1: to pull off. Brilliant, brilliant work there. Um, I think, uh, I, I think if, if, Are are you down to start getting into what it means, the ending, the what's what? Absolutely, yeah. I remember sitting in the theater and I'm literally, I felt kind of bad, again, for the people next to me. Because I'm literally like hands on my knees, head in my hands, and just like staring intently. And I kind of got lost in the moment. It was such a compelling story and such a compelling performance that I was Mm -hmm. able to, I'm so glad, love doing it. Love talking to you through this. The buddy I saw it with, we talked, we walked an hour together. Just like, okay, what did this mean? What was that? I'm it was, it's one of those movies for sure. One of, to me, there's basically two theses to this movie. Mm -hmm. One is her brother says it later on. You don't know where you came from. You don't know where you're going. That's true of anyone who's in what's by the end when she was so stressed out and all her actions were coming to bite her at the same time. Going from crisis to crisis to denial yeah. to crisis, she's go. She's literally like in an almost fugue state. It seemed can barely keep track of all the threads of her life as they are currently unraveling, mm-hmm. and it, that is one of the things you're watching. And it there's a sympathy that you have for this character mm-hmm. because it's possible whatever's going on in her head that she doesn't know what she has done or is doing or what the future holds. She just has this very tight character and very precise and hard-edged. And yet, one nice thing about the movie to me is it wasn't. I was really worried at the end it'd be like a oh, and they got away with it. They paid a settlement, and now they're back on top. We'll get to the ending in a second, but yeah. the um, <laughs> there's there's multiple things. So yeah, I guess that the other part is the truth will find you out. That's how I interpreted the symbol that comes up a few times in the movie. There are things that don't have clear meanings. Like you're saying, is this a dream? Is this a figment of Tar's imagination? There's a symbol that repeats and I don't know what it means. I Googled the hell out of it. You joined me at some point and yeah. we looked for every article, no mention of it. But there's a symbol that occurs in three times where she's traumatized and something is happening it is letting her know things aren't quite right. And when that happens somewhere in a monogram or a note, there is a symbol that appears. And maybe it's just a stamp someone puts on their envelopes and that's their symbol and everybody knows it. Mm-hmm. I want to rewatch this movie again for things like this. And there are others. There's one of my favorite mo- moments is th- where there's the mattress, the bed on a pond as if she's floating and it's catching on fire. And it was just so yeah. evocative, like oh, just yeah. for art film stuff like that was beautiful beautiful. i need a whole music video of just that whatever that Mm -hmm. little moment was wild and then she's waking up and then she finds one of those things that's haunting her Mm -hmm. and maybe that was a double dream the director there's a couple times you know for sure this is a dream you see her snap awake during it or right it's shown through the reflection in the water of someone kind of like fixing her back and Mm -hmm. yet it seems violent at the same time um Apologies if you already mentioned this, but one of the metaphorical things that happens as far as this character gets the truth catches up to them, it's an old trope in movies where she ends up suffering a deformity, where there are she's running from something, right, uh, which is a metaphor, and then she falls, another metaphor, yeah. and then she ends up having literal lacerations on her face from hitting a step, and her back is crooked. At some point, this is what this movie does really well. At some point, the phrase is, I'm a little crooked. I need an adjustment. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those films where on the third, fourth watch, I'm sure I'll find more lines like that. And it'll be like, oh, that happens at the exact moment when she starts, the things start to catch up to her. Uh, I think, and then I'll, I'll throw it back to you. I'm sure there's a few more things we can get back into of symbols in the movie or did you, you know, was this real or was this not? I think it's open enough to interpretation because some things are clearly not real or they're dreams and some Mm -hmm. things are happening. But like the dog you mentioned, the director doesn't tip the hat and say, oh, now it's disappeared. It must have not been real. We don't know. There's a moment where she's running through Central Park and this is a character who's very sensitive to sound and very sensitive in general, even though it comes off as hard acidness. Maybe that's Mm -hmm. because she's so sensitive. Can't begin to have empathy for others because it'll crush her. At some point she hears a woman screaming, bloody murder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In... I of the park the park yeah and starts trying to hunt down the noise it's something her character does a few times where is this noise coming mm-hmm. from she's really good at it it's kind of cool to watch a savant in that way or like a genius in that way yeah use it and like this could have been a detective movie for a yeah. minute you're like oh is this movie about to be about a murder and her discovering it through the power right right the right
0: yeah
1: but we don't know if that really happened it's possible mm-hmm. that she's kind of so beside herself she's hearing and there's like it's part of what i'm getting at. like the truth will find you out like maybe her subconscious is literally screaming out and she can't figure out where it's coming from because she doesn't know where she came from or where she's going and she's just running in circles trying to find the truth um i think uh there there's there's a lot to talk about in this movie it has has those double meanings i think the only other thing i'll mention i'll throw it to you is we she has the back injury she she is crooked she needs an adjustment Mm-hmm. um but it was done slight enough it, it wasn't too heavy-handed of a metaphor and then near the end of the movie when her come up is about to happen I'll throw that one to you mm-hmm. she says I need a massage because I have this injury and she's been <laughs> exploiting people and then they go oh no problem we, we know the right place she's obviously in a new city trying to find herself and jumpstart her career again yeah a little unclear Mm-hmm. She goes to a massage parlor. and they say, choose one. And she goes, how, what yeah. do you mean? And there's a group of women who are, she would be using, like, sh- shout out to sex work. Mm-hmm. I don't know how consensual these things were, but it seemed to freak out Lydia Tarr for sure because of her past. And it's like, this. she's going to get triggered for a long time about the things that she right. did that she'd never acknowledged to our, at least from what we saw. And they're literally, the women are aligned like an orchestra in that same formation. And she's standing at the front of them and just Mm -hmm. freaks. And of course, the movie's really good at that kind of double meaning, double imagery, words that can mean two things and leaving things loose enough to where we could talk about this and go over every item in line. And I'm sure on the fifth rewatch and the 10th rewatch, there'll be even more so let me throw it back over to you before we just go full geek mode on every single metaphor and what's it all mean. Um, right. Yeah, but by all means.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, th- this movie definitely has a lot of moments where if you take enough time to think about it afterwards, you do kind of question a lot of things and and how what it means symbolism-wise or at least what it means to the narrative of the story, right? Hearing you talk about it, since you're probably your viewing is the freshest between the both of us. Cause I saw it like a week prior. You just saw it like a couple days.
1: Before. You saw the New York film festival. I know you want to mention it. Go ahead. Well, yeah. I didn't want to say you all saw that, Cable but in person. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Ryan. And then maybe her presence <laughs> kind of like wiped my memory uh-huh. of the
0: movie you know, because that's mm-hmm. just so powerful. That's how she is, her vision and everything uh, like, yeah. but anyway, yeah. um, but there are a lot of <laughs> things that I recall as I was watching the movie wondering, you know, Is this really happening or not? And a lot of it also had to do with the new young student that she puts in her orchestra. Like there are a lot of moments where you could tell she's (laughs) fawning over this young student, kind of like repeating something that has happened prior that is going to eventually get her into trouble. And it does later on in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, but But she's not getting exactly the way she wants it. So it's almost as if, the universe is like fighting against her, but then kind of like calling her out as to are you really going to move forward with this and, you know, kind of mess yourself up or oh. are you going to like, you know, or are you going to stop it now and realize what you're doing? But she keeps pushing against the, the force of nature. She keeps because she keeps pursuing it like they they go away together for because uh, Kate's attending this. I believe it was like a conference or something like that or a meeting. So she decides to bring the young girl instead of her partner or whatever the case is. You she could do a book us, signing, if I recall. That's because it. book Tar that's, on Tar. Right. Yes, Tar assistant. on Tar. My
1: assistant has unfortunately no longer with me. I got to right. bring somebody. Right. You know, so brazen. And this is part yeah. of the thing. If you're not taking account of, like, how am I perceived? Are my actions fe- affecting others? Will there be consequences? yeah of course this is a terrible idea even let's just say she never did one thing wrong to anybody mm-hmm. once you know people have their eyes on you and like there's rumors go oh i'll bring anybody else
0: it's a perception I'll carry my own yeah. bags this
1: time maybe yeah i
0: don't know yeah the perception is just not a good look right and you could tell like she, she did have ulterior motives there but then when you know when they're they're back in the the hotel and she's like, oh, so you want to grab dinner? And she's like, no, I'm tired. I'm going to go to sleep. Oh, and, then she's like, yeah. and then she goes out and sees her sneaking out into the elevator, like all dressed up nicely and all that. It made me wonder, like, did, that, she, did she really see that? Or was this Uh-oh. her mind playing <laughs> tricks on her? Or was this the universe telling that her something? You know, uh, yeah. Because, again, it goes back to the whole dog situation. She follows the girl into this building complex because she left a teddy bear. But I, I think secretly she wanted, you know, maybe a nice smooch or whatever the case is. Because if you notice, the what, what's that?
1: Sorry, even just the teddy bear, I maybe I missed the origin of it, but I thought it was her daughter's teddy bear. And there's a moment where they're in the car and she's saying goodbye to her like she's sending her off to school. Yeah. There's this weird right. thing where the... And I almost okay. I'm gonna tangent. Maybe maybe I should just let you take back over. There's a whole another interpretation of this movie where there's more to that. Mm-hmm. And this twenty-something woman, thirty-something woman that yeah. she has the crush on is holding like the the girl's toy. And I don't know that it's the daughter's, but it might be. There are moments where she's interacting with the daughter. I'm like, please don't be a monster. Please mm-hmm. at least have one pure relationship in your life. I don't know, but it's almost like she can't help herself and this other woman who she has a crush on, but maybe becomes a daughter mother dynamic there. Mm -hmm. And so she's going, Oh, you left your, what's like a binky, essentially. Like you left your little teddy bear toy. Yeah, Maybe even if it is the woman's and we saw it before, I'm honestly, I don't recall that, but I I honestly thought when I saw it, like she'd picked it up off the ground in the car. And then she's now coming up to the reason of like, Oh, this was yours. You were holding this. You want this. I'll chase you down. I don't know. But there was multiple other ways where I got, This uh, Olga, I believe is the character's name, or Helga, uh, is a stand-in for the daughter, and this might actually be happening to the daughter, but we'll leave that fully aside. There's a little version, but there's like three different things where they hint at it, of the way she is treating and talking to that character that she has Uh a crush on, so...
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, no, you definitely took a, a darker thought process along with yeah. where I was going. But you know, again, this is the type of movie where you kind of like, if you spend some time, you could analyze and come up with a lot of different conclusions. The way Sorry, I and this I,
1: director did Little Children, so I, I wouldn't put it. Of past course, the of course, of course. Wild turn like that, which of is course. why I, in my head I was like, I know this is that director. Yeah, fucked with me one time on this issue. Please don't do that again.
0: Totally. And if you don't want, yeah, yeah, if you don't know what we're talking about, Little Children was Todd Field's last movie that he uh, directed again sixteen years ago. Look it up on Google. You'll you'll know exactly what we're talking about because it it is definitely interesting and it could play along with the lines of what is happening here. The way I interpreted it is, um, Kate is fascinated and attracted to innocence. And I think that's, like, one of the things that she gets Mm. drawn to, you know, especially, Mm. you know, if you recall, the more she learned about the new student watching her old YouTube video performances and all that, you see she is infatuated because there is a sense of innocence there where, you know, someone who's, like, never done this before and now she's getting the spotlight and now she's getting, you know, some notoriety. She gets drawn to that, you know, she gets drawn to her daughter because obviously there's love to the daughter there, but it is her gateway to an, a more innocent way of looking at things you know okay. when the daughter was awesome. arranging her toys into like an orchestral thing and she wanted to give every member a stick mm-hmm. she, you know you hear oh, K- you okay right you hear kate you hear kate be like well not everyone can be a conductor like 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 you know like i don't i don't understand like what you're trying to do here but again mm-hmm. it, it's like that innocence thing but going back to the whole you know apartment or building thing You notice like the girl will walk into the building and she leaves the door open, almost like inviting Kate to kind of chase after her. As Kate is pursuing her, you know, she hears like singing in the background and like what could be her. Right. So she's chasing, 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 but calling her out the whole time. But no response, no response. And then that's when the dog shows up and that's when she starts running for her life. And that's what led into her her accident where she trips, falls you know hurts her back and messes up her face now again who knows if this was real if that whole situation was real you know who know? you know it it, it made me question there was one point in the movie where i questioned if even that girl was real if that student yeah. was real you know yeah. because she sees her in the bathroom just very quickly right she sees her in the distance very quickly You know, the only time I realized, yes, she was real is when other people were noticing her in the orchestra. (laughs) I'm like, okay, so she's yeah, she's real. But there could be manifestations of her that is not happening. You know, again, the whole hotel situation, the whole, you know, uh, building complex situation. You know, this is Kate's mind playing tricks on her and all that, because, again, maybe there's that guilt in there that messes with her or whatever the case is. And I think, again, it also plays along the lines with that same um, student that committed suicide. Like, I felt like, again, there was another innocence factor there where someone who is the mentor looking upon this up and coming person, you know, looking for guidance and all that. I'm I'm sure they've done stuff because, or else where where would the fascination come from? Where would the obsession come from? Right. Mm -hmm. So much so. And then you see the emails, the the correspondences, mm. you know, the the fact that the, the intimidation. The uh, intimidation that you know the fact that Lydia needs to have control of her narrative. And she like basically blacklists her from all mm-hmm. the, you know, like uh, music uh, departments and orchestras all throughout New York and whatever the case is. Which is know. probably
1: illegal to do to someone right. and especially if they're the victim, which the assumption for me and I'm assuming the rest of the audience is that person was a victim accuses the person Mm -hmm. of what they have done or reacts accordingly. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. the We don't actually get that backstory, which is really interesting. We get hints of it. But like Mm -hmm. a lot of things in the movie, it's open to interpretation. Nonetheless, I think every single member of our audience, I have to assume, goes, I don't think that was a false accusation or whatever went wrong between them, which we don't even really, really know. Like they don't even show or tell us what went wrong in the dynamic there and how, who Mm -hmm. did what went. But then nonetheless, she's coming after this person who are the people watching the movie are like, oh, that this person's a monster. This person's a victim. And then the monster is still trying to blacklist the victim for right. outing them as a monster. And that kind of thing kept happening throughout the movie. These things are ridiculous. How am I supposed to mm-hmm. account for something that never happened? Yeah. At some point, the wife confronts her and Kate Blanchett lashes out and overreacts and criticizes the wife and tries to mm-hmm. essentially convince the wife that she's crazy. And like, oh, you're going to bring this stuff up again. Kind of yeah. thing. And like. Of course, these things are going to catch up to you if you don't take a second to reflect consequences, address them, address them internally at the very least. Yeah. Uh, un- unbelievable, all of that. And that's I love that example that you're giving, of another thing that's kind of open to interpretation. And everything in the movie is essentially subject to... I'm curious of like, of the facts that we know and see occur in the movie, how many of yeah. them are officially... We know that that person when they touch then if that's what that meant. Because there's definitely right. accusations that when she puts her hand on the uh, small of someone's back and based on context because we're supposed to think that wasn't a come on, but when that is shared later on YouTube, that it was shown as if it was, it, right. they zoom in on that moment. There's another moment where she's touching the purse of a woman she's talking to, and it seems mm-hmm. like, okay, she's about to do some infidelity. There's plenty of things that we get the picture that they're a monster, I, this might be one of those second watch things, and I, I could be totally wrong. I might just be a little too in the weeds here. It is possible that this movie is actually about how, and the director is about to do a, hey, everybody, this is one of those Rorschach tests. We didn't see her do one thing wrong. We just saw, you know, she says the, the wrong things. She says problematic things. She says the mean things to people. She's cutting and rude and things like that. Mm-hmm. And people are quick to turn on her. I don't know the facts of what she did to who. And we know that at least the young character that she was pursuing that we didn't see anything happen with them. It seemed like the young character wasn't interested. Um, so I don't know. That's that's an interesting thing to watch on the second one is, is this director trying to make some anti-cancel culture take on mm-hmm. that or in, in that type of way? It is going to be one of those things that's so loaded in charge for any member of the audience. They're all going to have some, Oh, okay. hot opinion and it'll mm-hmm. at least bring it'll evoke something in them about wherever you're coming from in your identity and the world and how you feel about these things yeah. uh which is, they're, they're even bringing up early on in the movie when she's talking to the young students um there is no disambiguity <laughs> with the ending of the movie and that it is tragic and she is yeah. properly eating it and and mm-hmm. and suffering the outcomes of her actions
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. And before we we get into that, uh, just another couple of points. Um, Definitely, uh, it is one of those things where, like you said, it could be a little bit of everything. It could be, you know, kind of a spin on the whole cancer culture thing. It could be because of how we perceive certain things, we automatically assume and accuse someone for doing a lot of these things. And at the same time, maybe she is actually doing some of these things, right? So I feel like it could be a combination of all of that because that could all be very dangerous, right? It could all be very dangerous, how we perceive certain things because of the way it's presented to us, how someone is so focused on controlling their own narrative that they try to spin it in a different way, but maybe they really are doing these things. You know, it's just a whole, you know, one thing that we shouldn't glance over is the way she treats her assistant. You know, how her Mm -hmm. assistant is just basically belittled every time, ignored, all that kind of stuff like that. Every time we do see the symbol, if I recall, it has to tie with the assistant or something that was done with the assistant. You know, the assistant is the one that gives the gift to Lydia. You know, Lydia finally opens the gift on the plane, sees some of the symbols on the book, all of that freaks out. You know, something happens with the assistant, that's when she wakes up. Here's the metronome going off in the background. Metronome has those symbols on it. The assistant gets fired. Now Lydia is trying to go back because now the assistant is helping with some investigation about all the accusations and all that. The apartment's empty with the exception of the manuscript of Tar on Tar, where she writes lies, 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 and all that stuff like that. And we Rat see on rat. She reverses rat. On rat. So that yeah. words,
1: which is something that Tar would do, where she would take a letter right. in someone's name and make it spell something new. They right. played that trick on her with the title of her book.
0: Right. And, and it's you a see great this... metaphor
1: for this movie, the Rorschach test, where something can yes. literally be seen. And like, okay, is this real or is this not real? Is it interpreted negatively or just, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, Why? absolutely. Yeah. And then again, we see those symbols there. So I feel like there's a lot of ties into that. Second viewing, third viewing, I think we will probably understand a little bit more about it. Um, but I think at the, the end of it, the crux of it all, it really is a person who is really just struggling trying to – really find themselves and where they really want to be versus who are they perceived to be, you know, and again, I think that whole coming home moment is a great revelation about that. You know, I'm assuming that's her brother, right, that she meets in yep. the house. He says sister
1: at some point, something like right. that, she calls him brother, yeah. You
0: know, the fact that he calls her Linda, and he's like, oh, I forgot, you know, you don't go by that name anymore or whatever the case is because <laughs> her name is Lydia. You know, so someone who is has kind of created this I guess, persona of herself, you know, but is this really her true self? Is this really what she wants to do? Um, is this really who she wants other people to see her as? Then she pops in that old tape of an old uh, performance from TV that when, she recorded. Um, yeah. I believe, who who was the conductor in that one? A very famous uh, conductor, I, I believe.
1: Yeah, it's it's Leonard Bernstein, who was That's her it, mentor yeah. in real right. life. And he's giving a, what is the meaning of music? Right. It, has uh yeah it it was it was a clever thing to to throw on in there and also quick reference bradley cooper is doing the leonard bernstein movie as his follow-up to star is born right really curious about that and Mm -hmm. yeah i'm excited to learn more about leonard bernstein but yeah that's my understanding is that was uh, a an instructional movie from him for Mm -hmm. the meaning of music and the power Power of it right i'm sure that was very important to her at some point in her life
0: Right. And I guess she, in a way, by watching that, she kind of, it stirs something emotional and meaningful in her again, because maybe she lost that. Maybe she lost that whole, why did I do all of this to begin with? Was it for the popularity, the fame, whatever the case is, or was it for the love of music, right? Then, thus, moves forward. She's where we wearing,
1: in that moment, she is wearing one of her trophies, which I'm sure. Right, yeah, the like little a, medal, I'm yeah. Award-winning composer, <laughs> right. eighth grade, whatever. Literally <laughs> right, and it's one of those things, if you don't know where you came from, going to your childhood home, watching yeah. that documentary, and wearing the... It's pretty immature, right? It's, But it's mm-hmm. its lovely. She has this memory of winning a thing, and she's wearing it, though, as if yeah. it's significant at all compared to her other things. And she's having a recollection where she's having to consolidate with the past. Right. And of course she's going to be in a bad way at that point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, very, very meaningful and very touching and very sad. And it leads on to kind of how the movie ends as well, which is also kind of sad in a way, too. The one great thing that Kate Blanchett said during the Q&A session, and this I promise we'll, this will be the last time I bring up that whole thing, um, that she said, Damn you know, it, it's very easy to watch this movie and, and see it as someone who is basically breaking down in front of your eyes, someone who's getting stripped of all of these things, someone who's just losing herself, like, like her psyche and all that. But when the ending comes around... I see this movie as a form of someone who's finally facing humility. You know, mm. someone who's, like, going back and, and like, really, like, who lost themselves along the way, gets, you know, their up-and-comings or whatever the case is, and, and now goes through that humility process. Because as any conductor is known for, once you are conducting highly intense and very well-recognized orchestras all throughout the world and all that, to get reduced to moving to Asia, the Philippines, mind you, um, I, I recognize the the, the language because, you know, again, thank that you. is that is my family. OK, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, no problem. No problem. Um, yeah. Um, but ending up going to the Philippines to conduct basically a video game orchestra where it is an homage to Monster Hunter. That's why you see everyone in the audience in costume and cosplay and stuff like that. And they're not there for her they're there for the music because they love the fandom of the the video Mm -hmm. game. They love the fandom of the music. So now she finds herself where she was performing because people wanted to see her perform. And now she's got reduced to performing in front of an audience who has no interest in who the hell she is. They're there mainly for the music. Um, and, And that's basically how the movie ends. And it's very, very tragic. But again, going back to what Kate said it is humility, right? And and seeing that person go through that. And, you know, it is a very, very sad ending. But, you know, for someone who is trying to realize or reconnect with the reasons why she does all of this stuff in the first place, maybe she does need to start from scratch in order to pick herself back up again. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Um, there's something, there's a line where at some point she says, a musician's only home is the podium. Mm-hmm. And there is something it's another one of those that can be interpreted a couple ways, but I'm thinking of one. She is so singularly focused mm-hmm. that she disregards all aspects of human dignity, decency, the people in her life, loved ones, et cetera. Um, and it's as if everything it's okay for me to use people because that's good for me and that's good for the music or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's essentially a cautionary tale against being so singularly minded, but it's also uh, on the, the note of you don't know where you came from, you don't know where you're going. right? And the ending of her finding humility, that's lovely, Kate Blanchett. That is so much more optimistic than I felt at the end of it. <laughs> because like, okay, it's not just them getting justice and suffering, and now they're going to be yeah. a jerk in a, in a worse situation, and where's rock bottom? It'd be lovely if that character just says, okay, I'm going to be decent now. Mm-hmm. I've learned my lesson. I'll suffer, and I'll take it on the chin. That sounds like if it's a, if, if, if she plateaus, that's way better than a few other alternatives. And if she's decent to people, etc. cetera. Um, afterward, I'm, I, I would love a sequel 10 years from now. I'm sure it's not the kind of movie we get a sequel, but I want to know where do things go next? Um, tar two. Oh yeah. Tar, like tar harder. Uh-huh. Thank you. I was looking for one of those. Uh, the, I think as far as the, the the meaning of the movie, and this might be a little more cynical than Kate's take, mm-hmm. there's that symbol we kept mentioning, and we don't know what it means. My feeling is it's essentially the truth will find you out. Your past will catch up with you. And these are things where she's looking for something or is given something, and something kind of haunts her. Appears to her, and she's confused, disoriented by it, etc. And there are ways in which this movie—we're talking about it—is the woman screaming in the park. Is that just her subconscious? Is the dog chasing her just her subconscious, etc.? And I—I I think that at the very least, there on second, third, fourth rewatch, there might be a whole another opinion. Now, this was actually a, a Rorschach, and I think yeah. the director is now saying the opposite about cancel culture or something. Um, but the humility take—I really like that. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad you're with that Q and A. It doesn't bother me one bit whatsoever. Um, but yeah, the, the to me the ending felt properly tragic, and it felt like yeah. you will suffer the consequences of your actions, especially if you're so singularly focused, self-centered, megalomaniac, narcissistic, etc. Mm-hmm. I there are parts where I really loved the character. To be oh, perfectly yeah. frank, she's so yeah. intelligent and so gifted at her craft. Mm-hmm. And even when she's mean, there's something where it's like, okay, that's the person you want to be friends with at the dinner party when the debate happens sure. about is Mauler better than whatever. I- Unbelievably sharp and in both ways, like a double-edged sword. Yeah. I'm glad we talked about it. Thank you. I Oh, yeah, I, of course. I, I know better how – at least we've got like a little more. It's not just pure – Evil. I, I would caution people the question it's one of those if you do you recommend it and it's it's almost like the opposite of blonde in some ways where they show mm-hmm. in blonde they show the victim and they keep showing them in this one it's a movie that's obsessed with the downfall and the right. the the, consequences. the iniquities of this woman and the consequences of that yeah. it essentially does the opposite of blonde it shows the greatness of them and the horrible perpetratings that mm-hmm. they are doing a um, it I think I recommend it to anyone who loves movies. Also, in case you're curious about this kind of thing, there is one person in the row behind me who seemed to get every music reference whatsoever. Wow. And they would always have a knowing little laugh. And I'm like, you must be first violin at Met Opera. Like, we're right right. next door. Yeah. And everything. Your first seat. (laughs) Yeah, I was in, like, middle school orchestra. I actually enjoy classical music. I listen to it a fair bit. I don't know what a lot of the the lingo is. So there's a few times they're using words, and I'm like, uh, maybe I could look that up later, but I'm not sure how to spell it. This dude just yeah. goes, nice. Oh, they mentioned that guy hm, the whole time. So if you're curious, if if this the legitimacy of this movie is it legit? Does it do right yeah. by classical music culture? I have to assume it does, d- based on this guy's little asides throughout the movie. Um, so damn well done i don't know if i can recommend it to anyone i don't know if i'll even have the stomach to rewatch it anytime soon mm. we'll see but essentially uh as high marks you can get on craft and then mm-hmm. the, the story and the narrative i'm glad we got to talk through it i feel better now
0: at least yeah no no definitely i mean um i would recommend this movie especially if you just want to see a master class in acting you know yeah. because again kate like this movie would not have been as impactful if it wasn't for a performance. I mean the fact that like you said it, there are moments of the character that you actually enjoyed, you know, and it it takes a a good performance to kind of make you like someone who is basically unlikable, you know, especially once you get to n- learn more about their character and the way they treat people and stuff like that um you know, subject matters and messages aside and all that, you know I mean, I think, this will this could trigger some people differently, you know, depending on, on their experiences and all that stuff like that, you know, it definitely speaks a lot on today's society, and I know we've said that a lot with, you know, like Triangle of Sadness, specifically um, recently, um, and it's very interesting that two movies that are taken from different points of views and different walks of life and all that are, can basically have the same type of messaging within them coming out at the same time, well, it kind of speaks to the environment you know, for sure, um, yeah, were we gonna say? If, if I may,
1: I was mentioning before we started talking the movies where they have a similar woman abusing power plot yeah. line. Um, I, I didn't realize it was Kate Blanchett. I'm just going through because I was thinking, like, can we throw up a quick top five Kate Blanchets? Because her, but it's just unbelievable how many amazing performances oh there my God, are. It's
0: too many, yeah. But the one I mentioned before
1: <laughs> is Notes on a Scandal. I didn't realize it was a Kate Blanchett, Judy Dench movie. 6 six, oh. I'm sure I knew it at the time, but it, I just. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. forgotten. She, it's literally a, a veteran high school teacher, Judy Dench, but friends, a younger art teacher off Kate, gotta be Kate Blanchett. And who was having an affair with one of her 15 year old students. Oh, okay. Kate Blanchett is really good at threading that needle of how are you going to pull off someone in that mindset? This shouldn't yeah. be possible for a human to put themselves there with goodness gracious. And then my, my other, it's one of my all time favorite movies, put Woody Allen's name fully aside because Kate Blanchett delivers such a powerhouse performance in blue Jasmine. Yeah. If you're into that kind oh, yeah. of thing, go see it as soon yeah. as you possibly can for sure.
0: Yeah, no, there, there's a reason why there was a lot of attention about her performance when that movie came out. I mean, that movie, wow. Yeah. And, and I think we're going to, we're getting the same thing here too. Um, yep. You know, I said that in my review, I said, the first thing I said was mark my words, Calm Oscar time. Not only will she be nominated, I think she is going to win the Best Actress category because of this performance. Now, I know we're only in October and I know there's mm-hmm. a lot of movies still yet to come out. But base of like right now. Yeah, because yeah. like the only other performance I would like kind of put close there would be Michelle Yell's performance in Everything Everywhere All At Once. You know, so th- who knows? They, yeah. they both could be neck and neck by this time. Oscar time is is here. So, again, there's a lot of other things coming out still for the rest of the year. But I think it's a surefire bet that she would be definitely nominated. But I do think she could win uh, for sure. Um, but, yeah, like if you, you know, and we'll do final words right now of like what our final thoughts. Um, I would do recommend this, again, if you want to see brilliant performing, brilliant um, directing, amazing technical achievements throughout this movie, like sound design, all that stuff like that. Um, and I think it is a, a story worth living through and, and watching, you know, again, it, it depends on how you're going to get how you're going to react, how you're going to get triggered based on like certain things that are brought up. But at the end of the day, it is a very an interesting case study of someone's psyche and someone who goes through all of these different roller coaster of events and emotions you know, really just at the end of the day to try to figure out who they are and try, trying to figure out who they want to be moving forward because of everything. But yeah, very, very fascinating movie. Um, how, how, what, what about you, Blake?
1: I, I mean, overall, <laughs> as far as if you're, if we're doing closing thoughts, yeah. um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. For, we're getting closer to Oscar time. It's, oh, a, yeah. it's starting to become the time. It's kind of like we can listen to, I'm playing my Halloween costume a little bit spooky season. Mm-hmm. We're staying indoors a little more and I'm getting that. Mm, you smell the fall air and you go, is it Oscar season today? No, not yet. But we can start listening to Oscar season music or podcasts or whatever. <laughs> I think it's about time. I, I feel comfortable saying I would be shocked if she's not going to be a nominee. I think you're talking Michelle Yeoh, Viola Davis. Um, there's a couple that either haven't come out yet, Fablemans, or um, uh, Daniel. That white y- yeah. is, is when people are listing favorites. Anna de Armas. We talked about recently, and and mm-hmm. a little bit tonight with Blonde. Um, there are going to be a few others for sure that could, we could do a little horse racing and just people going in and out with a performance, this massive with a script, this, uh, and with Kate Blanchett, I I would be shocked if this isn't the exact kind of movie, it would almost be someone would have to spike the ball on (laughs) blowing it all up in a Q and a or something like that, or saying like the worst thing, like, to where people are like we can no longer like if Kate Blanchett gets canceled tar style like oh my maybe God. not but other than that
0: she's she's probably not right
1: like you know she's no. Yeah, Kate's good no i'll sure. tell you this like
0: like like i i so i do follow stuff on twitter uh with kate um especially when when my the when i saw the q and a and all that like a lot of people loved my tweets and my photos and all that stuff from um there was a recent thing and i wouldn't Stop. call this i wouldn't call this a controversy Stop. but she was uh photographed and it was very clear that she was hiding a cigarette. So uh, so I, I think people didn't realize that she smoked. But she was posing, like, really trying her best to hide the cigarette. And that was, like, the biggest controversy for, like, three days. So, like, why are you hiding the fact that you're smoking, Kate? You know, that's like...
1: <laughs> Could I, I... I wasn't ready to fall in love again I with Kate Blanchett. Are you kidding me? Every movie. Yeah and her character in, in, in don't look up last year was yeah just, yeah yeah, you yeah kidding me uh, oh my god What a delightful uh, person basically the same as tar same as thor character same as when she played bob dylan how is someone so and my understanding is she's pretty private in her life like it's just yes yeah that cool is cool yeah just mm. i i would be shocked if we saw much other than an oscar speech from kate blanchett in the next upcoming months of like personal drama or something yeah No, I feel like so nice to have a legend while while we're here. Like, oh yeah, bless it. Mm.
0: It's it's mm. Kate. Kate is I feel like is one of those people that I think we would get along with very well because again, very private. I've heard she's also very awkward at times, you know, and she can be very goofy, you know. I feel
1: like we would love to have you as our (laughs) yes
0: interview with movie time, please. Um, I promise I will be respectful
1: and I'm sure Renee won't. But I'm sure I'll mention New York film festival at least 17 times or so.
0: Yeah, I I will definitely do that. And uh, do you remember uh, seeing uh, me there, Kate? That would be your first question. I was in the second row. (laughs) Uh, Second row?
1: God, dude, stop. You're trying to you're trying to slip him in casually. It's uh, it's killing me. I can't
0: help it. I can't help it. I'm sorry. But 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 anyways, uh, yeah. No, this was yeah, this again, great movie, great performance all around. Definitely want to hear all your thoughts about it. So let us know. I know by the time this comes out, um, it should be available more nationwide. Um, I think there's a slower rollout process internationally. So if you had a chance to see it, let us know in the comments your thoughts. Let us know um, if there was anything that maybe we have missed that we weren't able to really analyze. Let us know your thoughts on some of the symbolisms and on little uh, hidden messages all throughout, um, especially during like the dream sequences and the little like, like, did this happen? Does this not? Would love to hear your thoughts about it. If you haven't seen it yet, are you planning to watch it based off of maybe what we said? Let us know everything in the comments. Again, great thing that we love to do is engage with all of you out there. So comment, comment, comment it is very important. We love having those conversations. So with that being said, this has been movie time for this week before we really close things out. Blake, where can people find you online?
1: Uh, you can find me improvising a top five Kate Blanchett movies list. Okay, here we go. Blue Jasmine, Tar, Don't Look Back, which she plays Bob Dylan. Carol, and I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, I haven't seen Elizabeth, sorry. Ocean's 8. Hell yeah. Nightmare that. Alley. On Letterbox- Nightmare Alley. What? Mm, no. Let's- oh, come okay, on. We got to do another nother- <laughs> Kate thing. <laughs> oh, man. Did I just... Okay, yeah. I'll refocus. Um... <laughs> I'm on Letterboxed under the name Blake Wolf SSN, and that's where you'll see me having given Tar a very disoriented five stars.
0: Nice, nice. Very, very nice. Out of five. Um, yeah, so as I work with Blake on this uh, top ten Kate Blanchett movie list, mm-hmm. and I think Nightmare Alley should definitely be up on there. As Life well Aquatic, as Lord of the Rings. That's my
1: five spot, not Ocean's Life, yes, Life Aquatic is great. Yes, Life Aquatic is great. The Aviator... How does oh, this list keep going? There's Curious too many. Case of Benjamin Buddies, are you kidding me? All right, Thor before, for sure. Before we go on for I'm like just another keep doing thirty this minutes, you. yeah, no, yeah, I'm just gonna keep listing you, movies. Go ahead. You,
0: you could find me on all the handles on the screen you see in front of you. Loki Geek on Twitter, Instagram, of course here on Facebook. If you are brand new to this channel and you haven't done so already, hit the like, subscribe <laughs> buttons, notification bell. Show your love <laughs> and support. It doesn't cost you a single thing. We definitely appreciate it. Comment, comment, comment. If you want an audio version of this uh, episode, you could go search Loki Geek on your podcast platform of choice where you can download this episode and many more there. As we wrap things up and as Blake continues to look through the list of M- Kate Blanchett's... Manifesto LAs. is the last one I have to mention. Yep. Uh,
1: otherwise, I wouldn't <laughs> be able to sleep for...
0: <laughs> as I uh, kind of slowly mute him. Thank you so much for watching. We appreciate all the love and support. Until next time, stay cool, stay classy, stay safe. This I've been Renee. This has been Blake. This has been Movie Time. We'll catch you all next time. Peace out, y'all.